Hello, data enthusiasts. This is Chris Detzel and I'm Michael Burke. Welcome to Data Hurls. We are your gateway into the intricate world of data where AI, machine learning, big data, and social justice intersect. Expect thought-provoking discussions, captivating stories, and insights from experts all across the industries as we explore the unexpected ways data impacts our lives. So get ready to be informed, inspired, and excited about the future of data. Let's conquer these data hurdles together. So welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Stetzel and... I'm Michael Burke. How you doing, Chris? Pretty good, man. It's hot here in Dallas, Texas. 103, 105. I don't know, but it's just ridiculous. <laughs> well, today I'm super excited. We have a legend here with us, Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer. Scott, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. Hi, Michael. Hi, Chris. Thrilled to be here. It's a temperate, rainy day in New England, but uh, that's not stopping me. Excited to talk about telling your data story in the data management space. Yeah, and you know what? It was so funny. I had no idea that you had or knew or had worked with Matthew Cox before. I saw that recently. Um, I didn't know that you guys played in the same space. That was super cool. Um, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I saw. I've, I've listened to that that podcast i think that's how we got each other's attention seeing uh <laughs> matthew on there but he's a great data leader i knew him while i was at dun and bradstreet and he was a huge fan of what i was trying to do there which was actually help dnb tell a better data story about what they did in the master data and mdm space that's where i met the relteo team when i was working at at dnb uh and i, I bought matt a double lobster tail one evening. That's what <laughs> that's all. Awesome. He, he came to our client conference and we had a bowling championship. I was on the same lane with him, staying in our lanes, and uh, he just beat me. Huh? I wonder. Hmm. Just beat me. The client just beat me in bowling. Well, we'll see <laughs> how that happened. But a great guy, really, and just uh, really supportive. And as you could tell by your own episode with him, he really gets the space and understands the way to talk to the business side. And I think that's why we connected so quickly because that's literally what they do is explain things like data management to business leaders, executive stakeholders who don't want to get into how it's done and only really care about why it's valuable for their enterprise. Yeah. And you, like I, I, I go to quite a few conferences as um, part of my job, and I see you at almost every one, right? Like, you are everywhere. I don't know how you make the time to travel as much as you do to get to all these places, but I'm just always impressed. Um, you know, with the amount of experience that you have and certainly the following on social media, where do you see this data management space headed, right? And what do you see, you know, really in, in particular, some of the areas I'm interested in is even around like this whole new thing with AI and large language models, where do you see things headed in the space? Uh, in a positive way, I don't see it headed anywhere other than staying as the foundation, <laughs> which is what I'm there as part of what you guys do too, is reminding people and reminding organizations that they have to build that data foundation. So no matter what new, cool, super sexy, distracting things happening, right? The Flavor of the month now is LLMs that certainly knocked data mesh and data fabric debate <laughs> off the front page <laughs> last year. But all those things don't work unless you've got that foundational data underneath. And the way I like to think of it is data management, 
data governance, data stewardship, master data, reference data, MDM, PIM, DAM, all those foundational activities that you and I work in, those are macro trend agnostic. No matter what the flavor of the month is now, no matter what great, disruptive, fantastic, new, technologically enabled things are going to happen next, none of it's going to work unless you got that proper data foundation. And so that's my, that's my one message. And I keep playing it every different way I can and riffing off at every possible angle, but it's the same message and we have to, all of us keep reminding folks of that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've been doing a lot of these roundtables lately uh, with CDOs and some of them go come to you and, you know, it's on large language models and AI and they're like, Mike, how do I get involved? How do I get started? And I'm like, well, what are your problems? And they're like, my data's crap. And I'm like, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, I mean, it's just, it is amazing that even at the executive level, there's still this you know, mystery or confusion around not having high quality data and what impacts that has on your business. Um, you know, can you share a little bit difficult to get, to get, uh, it's a story that's difficult to get attention. Yeah. Because it's not sexy. It's not fun. It sounds clerical. It's back office. It's, you know, data quality. I counsel people don't even use that word when you're trying to sell this in because nobody cares. And it's really, an emotional, subjective term anyway, quality. Talk about yeah. why that data quality is important to the organization and skip the word quality and get to why better data is going to enable the strategic intentions of your enterprise. Where's your company trying to go and why is having better data going to help get you there? I, I love it. And why, on that note, why do you think it's always so overlooked? Like, you know, Everybody who's been in the data space for decades, they run into these same problems, right? And, you know, they are they are a second language for most of us who have grown up or, or worked in the engineering space for years. Why do you think this still becomes an issue, especially at larger enterprises? You think that the larger the enterprise, the better the data quality would be and it would be more consistent and trusted. Why does this happen at such big, massive enterprises? That's so idealistic too, right? So, but and we both know the bigger they are, the worse it is. The more, you know, giant companies have thirty-eight places to create customer, and they wonder why they have duplicates. Yeah, part of the reason why is, as I suggested, it doesn't sound very interesting. It's not new. It's mundane. It's nuts and bolts. It's structural. It's infrastructure. It's foundational. Those things aren't sexy. And unfortunately, in the business space, a lot of stuff that grab the attention of enterprises are the sexy, cool stuff. And so part of what I try and do is make it at least entertaining, interesting, important, have people realize, realize what we all learn on the first day of data, which is garbage in, garbage out. And that cliche is as true as gravity, right? What goes in must come out. What goes up must come down. There's no two ways around it, but we still struggle with that. And no. it's as, it's not as difficult now as it once was, but it's still way too much of a challenge. I mean, part of me feels like I hope someday I'm out of a job that we don't need to spend so much time counseling people on ways to talk about companies having better data. And we're part of it's our own worst enemy, right? Data mesh, data fabric. What's next? The data spanks. 
It's just <laughs> all the terminology that we've got out there and this need for, in some cases, you know, marketing departments of vendors and consultants and analysts to come up with the new twist of phrase or terminology or buzzword to make things sound cooler when in fact we're talking about the same stuff. I don't want to say the same old stuff, but, and that's distracting. So if you're going to have a term, data, whatever, and you spend the first five minutes explaining how this is really the new things that's going to fix everything, and then you pull behind the scenes and go, but you still don't have good data, it's not going to work. You're wasting the time of your audience. You're wasting yep. the time of the people who you're trying to engage with. And why teach them a new language? Why teach them these new terms? I know it's not as cool, but you don't have to be cool to be important, to be valuable. So in a lot of cases, we're our own we're our own worst enemy in the space because we just come up with all this language that I call it the fetch school of marketing. So that's based on, of course, that great marketing training movie, Mean Girls, if you saw that. <laughs> and in it, Gretchen, one of the characters, keeps saying, that's so fetch. That's so fetch. And Regina, who's the main mean girl, says, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. And that's what I feel like sometimes when I hear some of this stuff. Data lake house, data downtime, whatever. It's like, stop trying to make fetch happen. Okay? Yeah. Get with what you... Tr get to the point. That's hilarious. I, I, I'm dying here. I'm trying not to laugh too loud while you're talking. Uh, I, You know, the thing that's so crazy to me, too, is... It's almost like, you know, when you've got that elephant in the room that you need to just address, but everyone is, you know, the way that these organizations are structured, we're almost too afraid to just say, hey, there's a massive problem and we don't know how to fix it, or it's going to take us 10 years to fix. So we spin it with these new technologies, new languages, new platforms, right? But at the end of the day, we are doing the same thing. We've been doing the same thing for decades, right? And companies that do it well are able to move faster. I think the really interesting thing too is with AI and this coming of AI, all of this is compounding now because now you've got a customer using this data that you really have very little transparency into what they're doing and how they're interacting. So if you launch a model and you've got this poor quality data, it's going to be doing things that are probably negatively impacting your business more so than positive. And my biggest fear is, you know, with things like large language models, which are even more convoluted, right? We're just slapping on another layer to this infrastructure that keeps getting redefined and respun. And it's leading to these catastrophic problems, right? Uh, you know, you're kind of passing the buck down the, the time horizon to the next CDO who takes on this company in, you know, four to five years or a decade and, um, and has to, you know, play more cleanup if they want to do it. They have to be a janitor. And, uh, you know, we see this in the in the engineering space too, with writing reusable code. It's the same thing in the data space. Like if we don't focus on the areas that we need to cleanse data to get it in the right shape and in the right form early on, it just causes like, you know, exponential problems. Where do you see companies making most of their mistakes in this, in this ecosystem, right? Like forget all the new data lakes and terminology. Where do you see the biggest problems coming up in these processes? To kind of build on the earlier part of your comment, I think we got to maybe reconfigure GIGO to GIGE. It's garbage in, garbage everywhere. We now have the opportunity to, to do garbage at scale, which I yeah. think is really 
<laughs> really important for a lot of organizations. Let's have let's have bad data everywhere. You know, where do they have problems? At the beginning, at the start. Start the right way. You know, I have to quote Yoda or Yogi Berra to, to say you're not going to get where you got to go if you don't start the right way. And it's those kinds of things, those really mundane things like do we have more than one place to create customers? Do we have a standard category structure or do we, you know, is one of our top 10 categories other and miscellaneous? These things that are, are, are symptomatic of a lack of standards in an organization, a lack of an enterprise-wide understanding for... I keep saying the word foundation, but there isn't a better word for it. That's where the data problems start. They start at the beginning. And you just add on to it. Oh, let's add analytics. And now we've got a fancy dashboard. Now we've got executive reporting, and you're still looking at stuff that doesn't work. To your point about doing things for the same stuff forever, I kind of boiled down what I feel is the essence of digital transformation, which I don't think is a buzzword because a lot of people, it, it still is the way people are trying to change the nature of their business. To mean every business that I've run into is trying to deliver value to their relationships through their brands at scale. Yep. It's the nature of business. Every business has been delivering value to their relationships through their brands. That's what they do. That's why you have a business. But the at scale part is the element that's been what's happening the last couple of decades and even more so. And scale means technology. Technology is hardware, software, data. If you have data, you need data management. That's kind of one of my very short ways to, to tie it to the, the strategic nature of, of what a company's trying to do. But I use those words really carefully and really deliberately because relationships are the core of every business. If you don't have relationships, you don't have a business. So what about the data about those relationships? You go right head on into master data, reference data, metadata, right? So it's customer, vendor, partner, prospect, citizen, patient, whatever you call those relationships. And then brands are products, services, offerings, materials, piece parts, all the things you've got that you also have to categorize and code and structure as well. So there, I don't think there's a CEO out there or a leadership team that is going to disagree with the idea that they want to bring value to their relationships at scale. Yep. This is part of how I get into the master data conversation with executives. You say, okay, you agree with that, right? Whatever they, way they, they say it, they'll all say it differently, but that's, I'm trying to sum it up in a extensible, somewhat generic way that fits every kind of enterprise. You go, all right, yeah, we want to we want to be great partners with our relationships, with our customers, whatever. Now let's take a look at that data we've got behind that. I love it's it. Duplicates. We got crappy hierarchies. We have, you know, no consistent uh, categorization. We're lacking any sense of common geographies. You know, stop there. Yeah. Right? Just stop at those four things. Get those right. I'm backing into a rather pithy way I describe structuring data, which are the four C's, code, company, category, and country. So you got a unique code, you got a common hierarchy for companies, you got a taxonomy for categories, you've got consistent geographies, you know, it's country or some form of geography. Like get that right and a whole lot of data problems go away. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
And you know, the one thing that I always I wonder about as 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 kind of a data storyteller, when you go into these organizations and and you're there to drive change and you just come in and you see utter like crap, like everything is broken, you know. Is 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 it really starting with these technical pieces of like let's start with mastering, or are there other things you have to navigate, like politics, you know, people? Because um, to me, so many of these things seem, you know, instrumental that could be solved with tools, right? But a lot of it, when it boils down to it, or at least in the organizations I've worked at, comes to people and politics and ownership and definitions and all these other things that just get in the way of getting shit done. I mean, go, it, I don't do internal consulting anymore. All I do now is the fun stuff you see me doing. Events with brands, videos, puppet shows, cartoons, all that kind of stuff. But I earn my stripes being consultative in a sales and marketing way, working for Dun & Bradstreet, working for Nielsen, yep. Kantar, these iconic world-class data companies that are actually data companies. As a side tangent, I love it when people say, every company is a data company. It's like, no, you're not. Unless you make data for a living, and a data product, and I don't mean like the data products people talk about now. I mean actually selling data as a product. You're not a data company. You're a company that leverages data. I mean, if you use that logic, you know, the tools you used made you the kind of company you are, then frankly, every company is a paperclip company and nobody's running around saying that either. <laughs> So, but but going into these organizations, yeah, there's a ton of politics. I mean, you probably see it too. It's like going to somebody's house on Thanksgiving where everybody doesn't get along and you just see like the family dynamics right away. You know, these- It's awful. Like yeah. Each other, this yeah. Nuts. <laughs> you know, it's just like immediately seen. So there's that piece. But where I always, my expertise and the the edge I brought to the conversations, and it was the part I played, there's a whole team that did it, but where I really kind of honed what I did was forgetting about tools, forgetting actually even about the data immediately, not even caring about sort of quote, what the data strategy is, but looking at what this company does, how they do it, and why they think what they do is important, and then taking that apart. And as with that other exercise in that generic view of delivering value to brands, three brands through, uh, to relationships, three brands at scale, it's like the same thing. Find whatever version of that is in the annual report of the company you're going to go visit. And that was extremely effective. And in fact, I ended up kind of syndicating this whole approach in my book, Telling Your Data Story, Data Storytelling for Data Management. It's how to sell MDM. It's how to sell master data. It's how to sell data quality, data management, because it's all I did my whole career. But it's really remarkably effective. It takes a little bit of guts, but an example, one anecdote. I'm at Nielsen. We're going to see the Coca-Cola company. We're actually seeing the president of Coca-Cola. <laughs> And in the room is the vice president of marketing for Coca-Cola, who I know there's a million media people would give their firstborn to just have a moment with this person. We had five Nielsen services that came up. We literally had 10 minutes each. So I did my pitch for my service at Nielsen, and I started with some quotes. And these were quotes from the president. And they said things like, here's why our customers are important. Here's what we're trying to do in retail. 
I had these beautiful quotes. And what I was representing at Nielsen was a standardized, you might want to refer to it as a pre-mastered set of content about their customers, similar to what D&B does, but very focused on retail. Yep. And it was excellent data. It was still my first data job, still the best data I ever dealt with was from this Nielsen subsidiary. But there's a little bit of drama in the presentation. So I start off with these quotes and they sound sort of generic. It's like, I'm sure you'd all agree that blah, 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 customers are whatever the way it was. And I look at the president, I say, I know you agree with it. Next, you know, next animated part of the slide is because you said it and it's his name underneath <laughs> in his picture. So now you got it, right? You're nailed. And again, it takes a little bit of chutzpah to just kind of do it that way. And the first part of the presentation was literally reiterating what they had said in public about how important this stuff is. And then I drew it to, but here's what we know about your internal customer data. Here's how many duplicates. Here's an example of bad hierarchy. I'm not going to rub your nose in it, although sometimes that's super effective. Yeah. And, you know, we can offer a solution here. Again, my, you know, so my eight minutes is up. We got two minutes of questions. Of the five opportunities that we presented to them, we were the only ones who got a call back. And I don't think it was just because of the particular service. I think it also, frankly, had to do with the delivery of the message. And I was going to... It really grabbed their attention and said, look, this is, you know, you have a, you believe you want to go somewhere. We've seen you can't really get there yet. We can help you. I thought it might've been the legal team saying, Hey, they know too much. We got to bring them in, you know, but <laughs> I've had that. We had that in a couple, because we had this due diligence process. You know, I put in my book, there's like a, a couple pages of just questions. Like how would you find out what a data situation is at a company? And we did have, it was that that was Philip Morris, and I had a great salesperson working on that. And they turned to her and they said, how'd you find out about this? <laughs> How do you know all this? That's amazing. <laughs> like, I love it. whole landscape map. She had all these examples of stuff, and it's just... So that becomes, you know, really fun if you're good at it. But it's also a different way to think about telling that story. Because we're not talking about, you know, matching and cleansing and... Fixing zip codes. <clears throat> We're talking about enabling the strategic intentions of your enterprise. And that's what people care about. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that that's so true. And the people piece, like pulling people in and making them feel something about the relationship or what they said or what they committed to. I can't tell you how many times I've seen CDOs come up and say, how do I get into it started? How do I get traction? Um, what are some of the kind of pointers that you can give for people who have to tell those stories internally? You know, how do they how do they gain that momentum within their organization? Because I think also most CDOs realize these problems, have a good idea of where they need to go, and they just don't know how to gain that, you know, traction in them in their ecosystem. I'm not a you know, CDO sort of implementation expert. I work with a bunch of folks who are, but my approach around that, obviously it's a little bit cliche, but learn your business. Your business problems are everywhere. Data, you know, if you're a CDO and I'm a data person from way back, as you guys are, you know, data can help, right? So you got that going for you. You know that the concept of data is going to help this organization. One of the beauties of it, it can actually literally help the entire organization. One of the extra beautiful things around master data is you can help three parts of the company with the same record, right? 
have it. I mean, it's a really efficient yep. way to go about it. But find those problems. Everybody's got problems. There's problems all over the business. There's problems in sales. There's problems in marketing. There's problems in operations. There's problems in finance. There's problems, you know, challenges, problems, hurdles, however you want to frame it. Be that doctor that goes and does that due diligence to listen to how people are having issues. And my experience in the data management space and the MDM space is people, if you get to the right folks, they will start talking and they will say the word pain. It's like, you know, yeah. at yourself how long it's going to take over under how many minutes it's going to take before they say pain. And it's like, you're in there, right? You got it. And they will describe, they don't, they don't actually use those kind of euphemisms like, oh, we have this hurdle. They're like, I'm in physical pain. This, this <laughs> online is hard, you know, again, back to customer create and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but you want to find all those little tangible opportunities, but you also want to stay above them at the strategic level too, because part of your job is to tie all that together. If you can, and when we sold this stuff and you guys sell this stuff, and when we go in and talk to people about the value of it, if you're focused on one sort of tactical project oriented thing, you're just going to solve that and you're done. You know, for instance, we need to clean up our zip codes or our city state relationships. I mean, there couldn't be anything more, you know, project and clerically oriented. If that's all you're doing, then you're just going to be in the data cleansing business and that's not what you want. And if you're the CDO, then all you're going to be doing is, you know, you're a glorified admin. Keep it at this dual level of solving these little tactical problems, collect that group of, of anecdotes, build that sort of case around how it helps across the whole organization. And eventually you should have enough of a story to bring it up to the board level to say, look, here's how it's not about these 20 individual stories. It's about how data helps the whole organization. Here's 20 examples. And, you know, and here's where we can go beyond that. And those examples come in. We can help increase sales over here. We can help operational efficiency. We help finance mitigate risk. We want to, and those fall into buckets I call, you know, grow the business, improve the business, protect the business. Yep. It's it the 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 hard part is the pain you feel in it is that there's no one person that says yes. So it is a consensus sell. It is a consensus approach. It is a collaborative thing. It is horizontal value across all these different verticals. But when you're in and you can do it, you become a a, a, a huge hero. So kind of a long-winded, windy way to describe it with a bunch of different examples, but it's there's no magic bullet here. There's no one-and-done thing. But it's like trying to lose weight or stay healthy. You know, we a healthy business runs on healthy data. How do we get healthy? It's yeah. not by just skipping candy bars. It's just, you know, it's a different way of thinking about living is how you stay healthy. And it's a different way we think about running the business using data. I love that analogy, right? And I think that the staying healthy one is so easy because it's, you know, what are the KPIs? What are like the things that you need to monitor or understand about your business to understand where you are and where you want to get to, right? And I think, uh, yeah, too often I had a, I had a guy at one of these conferences I was at at roundtables and he started crying in front of me and he's like, I'm going to lose my job. I have no idea where to start. And I was like, 
you know, we're all just like, well, the conversation's going to go here now because we need to help this guy. But, you know, it was like, figure out what's go what's going on. What is the impact? You know, and it, I can't tell you how many customers we've talked to where that's a similar thing. They're like, I'm, just like you said, I'm in pain. I can't, I can't do anything about it. I don't know where to start. And it's like, well, what's the impact of that pain? What's it causing in your business? And is it regulatory fees? If it's a million dollars in regulatory fees, how do you get to 800,000, right? You know, if it's your weight, what, you know, calories do you need to track? Or do you need to go exercise more? What else do you need to do? Do you have health problems? I don't know, right? But like find the things that matter, you know, and start writing them down in some sort of case that you can say to yourself, this is how I become more accountable as a data leader. Um, and I think that so many people think that it's more complicated. They have to have the fancy pitch or a story and get like buy-in from everybody. And sure, that does help. But if you just understand and can put down in plain English how this is impacting your business, like three to five ways, you're going to get notoriety if you can back that up with some sort of data, right? I love that. And there is a story. That is a story. And and you mentioned the three to five ways. Go look at go look at what your leaders say. Again, that Coca-Cola approach. I won't call it a trick because it's more of a technique. I think it's a little deeper than that. Yeah. But they, they are there. People, they're open about what they do. And because I've done this for 30 years, I can't not think about it. So I'm sure you guys, you know, day to day, you see stuff out in the real world and you go, oh, that's a data problem. If they had better master data, that would work. I listen to CNBC all the time. You hear these CEOs talk about new things, and I'll just say under my breath, "Well, he's not getting that done without MD. He's not getting that done without." I don't know. And, and you know, there's another. They're not talking about data quality on CNBC. They're not talking about MD. They're not talking about what we do. But you just know behind the scenes, those aren't going to happen unless they've got the bat. Unless they have the data to back it up. It's a blessing and a curse. The actual, you know, they got a clean customer mask. I, I can't tell you. It, it is it is a blessing and a curse to, like, know about technology and see problems around you like that. And just even the ones that you have nothing to do with, right, don't affect your daily life. You're like, that's a master data problem, right? You know, you are yeah. clearly doing something wrong with your systems and everyone else on the outside can see it. Where Where do you think this is headed, right? We have this future, you know, 10 years out, data is growing logarithmically, you know, the amount of energy to process all this information. Where is all this leading to down the line? Are we just going to build bigger and bigger swamps? Or do you think that things are going to arise out of the future that, that help with this? I keep going back to the sort of first principles here. I just don't. I don't know where it's going because I'm not a trend guy. I'm the guy who listens to the latest trends and says in the back of the room, all right, let me figure out how I weave the data management piece into whatever people are talking about. It's almost a parlor game for me. But the nature of business hasn't even changed. Right? Yeah. You really look at the fundamentals. So the nature of using data at an organization isn't going to change either. That's not to be non-inspirational. But the more people depend on it, the more they're going to realize at some at some point they hit a wall, right? At some point stuff doesn't work. At some point they have these, you know, Citibank. It's a beautiful example. If you guys haven't read this this lawsuit against Citibank from a couple of years ago, you got to read it because they got fined four hundred million dollars for their lack of data governance. Yeah, it was like 
that's vindication. I mean, no, you know, disrespect to Citibank, but it was wonderful to see in a complaint from the U.S. Justice Department words like lack of data stewardship, lack of standards, lack of data governance. Like, yeah, we got to buy a whole lot of MDM software for $400 million, can't you? So that, I'm sure, had a, an awakening at that organization to realize we better get we better get some work done. That's the worst way to find out. Yeah. It's better when you're trying to, you know, transform your business model in a positive way. And we're going to go from selling widgets, as an example, to licensing the value of these widgets. As a service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To do that, right, you, there's all kinds of strategic advantages to doing that, right? You have an ongoing relationship. You can do predictive maintenance. You can, whatever all those, you have, you, uh, you, you've got lock-in from your client because it's an as-a-service model, but that's going to take a tremendous amount of data to make it work. And if it doesn't work, you're going to have a lot of pissed off clients. Say, you know, you changed all this and I bought into your vision and now this sucks. I'm going somewhere else. So I like to seize the 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 more positive aspects of using foundational data, core data out there as examples, but there's both. There's, you know, or there's, there's, there's all of them. And, and back to this kind of reusable, almost, I feel like master data is the most sustainable data out there, right? You reuse it, you reduce the need for other data, you recycle it through the enterprise. Like that story, that riff kind of works for me in terms of, what MDM and master data can bring to an organization. But I don't see how you get away from this stuff, no matter what you're trying to do. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I had a mentor of mine recently, you know, Matt and I were talking about this recently too, like, you know, all these new technologies, things that are going to come in, possibly unstructured data, like how is this all going to change the, the master data ma management landscape, right? But at the end of the day, and, and one of my mentors was talking about this, he's like, you, you're solving the same problems that I was solving in the 60s, right? And nothing has changed to what you described to me other than a lot of terminology. And I looked at him and he's like, sure, it might have gotten bigger. Maybe there's AI now on top of that. You're running statistics, right, and probabilities. But you're, you're not doing anything different. And it took me a while in my career to start seeing these patterns of everything being kind of similar. And I think that it is just such an important lesson for everybody on the call, especially those listeners that are newer, to realize that, you know, look back in history. These things have been happening for decades. Um, so, Chris, I don't know if you have any other follow-ups on this. Yeah, for me, look, this was really great. Scott, I didn't know how funny you were, but I oh my there laughed on and on. <laughs> it was... This is really great. And, and the knowledge you have, and I like just the practical, and just very practical. I love that. And, and you know, something that you mentioned was around just telling the business cases the value of what MDM brings. Quit bringing kind of these, you know, words like data quality, MDM, and things like that. What problems does those things solve? And that's where you're going to get far uh, in telling those stories. So thank you, Scott. This was Phenomenal. That's Michael, great. thank you so much for facilitating this, but Scott, thanks for coming. Uh, and listeners, thank you for listening in to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel. And I'm Michael Burke. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you. Yes. And rate and review us, please. Thank you.